What's up, fam? And so today we're going to be covering why the face of type 2 diabetes is going to change forever, and here's why. So you know what? Let's just get right into it. Hi. My name is Davis, and I'm part of a group you've probably never heard of. We can't be defined by the mainstream as together we're the face of a movement. And because we all know that what type 2 diabetes can do to us and the people that we love, we want all the possibilities to live in the life that we deserve. Since we're fighting for ourselves, the people that we love, and for one another, we have to play the game different. We have to play the game smarter. Because the faster we spread our message and help each other out, the faster we're saving lives. The faster we're saving lives, the faster we're saving families. And the faster we're saving families, the faster people just like you and I change the world forever. So if no one's ever told you, let me be the first to tell you right now that you have every single right to live in the life that you've always wanted, that you have every single thing that it takes within you to crush type 2 diabetes on your own terms, and don't ever let anyone take that from you. Now, if you ask someone stuck in the past, they tell you what we're doing is impossible, yet it's happening every single day, all because we chose life over type 2, and these are our stories. Now, on a personal note, since we know what works for everybody is different, do not use any of this information to treat, cure, or diagnose type 2 diabetes or any other metabolic condition as any and all changes must come from your doctor's care. I'm simply sharing what's taken me from a total diet failure since I was a kid, then turned morbidly obese and diagnosed type 2 diabetic and ultimately told that I'd probably end up dying the same way that my grandfather did to completely turning everything around and now sharing everything in the hopes to save as many lives and the hopes to save as many families that deal and struggle with the same metabolic condition that I have. So if you haven't already, go ahead and like, subscribe, share this information, and let's get on with the show. Hey, it's Davis. Are you a type 2 diabetic? Have you ever gone from like diet to diet, you know, with like these different ups and downs, and in the end, you just wanted the freedom to be yourself, right? Or maybe you're like me, where you've, you know, gone online, and you watch all these other people, like Facebook groups, or on the internet, or whatever, completely turn a page, turn their lives around, and you're like wondering, like, Man, when's it finally going to be my turn, right? Look, if any of this sounds familiar to you, for you, I've made a 21-day free blood sugar challenge. That's right. It's a free 21-day blood sugar challenge, and you can get it right now at lifeovertype2.com backslash 21 days. That's lifeovertype2.com backslash 21 days. In it, I reveal all kinds of stuff that you'll probably never see anywhere else. Everything from like the highlighter trick that I use to completely shortcut the success behind a lot of these different type 2 diabetes diets out there without any of the headache, the strain, or any of the pressure, and really the stalls and the breakups that a lot of these other people are going through with those diets, right? At the same time, I show you everything from like how I lost my first 75 pounds without any drugs, exercise, or any hardcore dieting whatsoever, and I even show you the three-step A1C shortcut, and you can get it all right now for free at lifeovertype2.com backslash 21 days. Again, that's lifeovertype2.com backslash 21 days. All right, fam. So let's get right into it. You know what? Like, first off, let me tell you right now, you know, I just got to thank you. You know what I mean? Um, none of this would be possible without you. My heart is absolutely with you. And I'm so honored and stoked to be sharing this with you. And more than anything, just kind of like be on this journey with you. You know, a lot of times we feel like we're alone. And part of that is because, um, you know, our feelings, our attachments, our relationship with food. And sometimes we're, you know, one of a couple of people surrounded by our own friends and family that are type two diabetic. And, you know, we feel like we're going through this struggle alone. And let me tell you right now that you're not alone. 
you know, and that as long as I'm alive and as long as we have this community and as long as we have people sharing their stories and more than anything, fighting the good fight, know right now that you will never be alone and you have every single thing that it takes within you to crush type 2 diabetes on your own terms and don't ever let anyone take that from you. In fact, as long as I'm alive, you will always have me in your corner cheering for you. So let me uh, let me just kind of go off and say that I'm stoked, man. Um, so naturally, there's just a lot going on right now. And I'm sure you're probably like me. Life has probably just got a lot going for you, right? It's the begin. It's still the beginning of the new year, right? So, I mean, I'm doing everything from like, you know, helping my kids with, you know, their projects. I'm doing a lot with work. I've been really blessed just on the work side to do a lot of things. At the same time, here I am trying to do everything from like, you know, the podcast, the YouTube channel and um really just do whatever I can to help people just like you and I and give you a voice and more than anything, give you more resources and flatten that learning curve and share with you the truth in ways that probably no one else ever has. And I hope more than anything that it empowers you, that it inspires you and that it gives you a whole new lease on life in the same way that it has for countless of other people just like you and I. And here's why I say that. So a lot of us, for part of this journey, we can't help but notice, and a lot of it probably has to do with a lot of the, um, a lot of the popularity, if you will, of um, you know social media, right? The um, speed of implementation, like the the speed of uh, of information, if you will, right? Like we can go on YouTube, we can go on Google, we can go on uh, Facebook groups, Instagram, Pinterest, whatever it is, um, you know, even like to put things in perspective, right? When I was a kid and we wanted to like, it was funny when, um, to put things in perspective, my daughter, when she had to do her fifth grade country report. Okay. So if you remember those, you had to like, you know, pick a country or whatever. And you had to write like a 40 page report or something like that. Right. And it taught you everything about, you know, like the economics, the culture, the, uh, the history of the company, their monetary system and all this other stuff to put things in perspective. When I did that, and if you're anything like me, I had to um, go to the public library, right? So I had to like, you know, beg my dad to take me there. Before we went, I would have to go through the couches and, you know, scrunch for change or whatever, or ask if we had a couple of singles just to, so we can go to the Xerox machine, right? And, you know, um, basically get whatever books and make copies of whatever books or pages that I needed to reference if, you know, it wasn't a book that I could rent and bring home. That's even if they had it, right? Like, God forbid anyone else in the other local school district take the same book. And then now I have like no book. And then you'd have to go to the teacher and be like, you know, teacher, <laughs> you know, I have like almost no resources for my report. Right. And we would do everything from, you know, go to the local library, the school library, make Xerox copies to put things in perspective. When my daughter had to do this, she goes online or she actually asked me, she goes, dad, can you please help me? Okay, and you're like wondering, how did, what does this have to do with type 2 diabetes? I'm going to tell you right now, and more than anything, I hope it really just kind of yanks the covers off and gives you speed and ease and less pressure than anything ever before. And so here goes, okay? So I go into my daughter's room, and she's like, Dad, can you please help me with my report? And I'm like, yeah, of course, babes, I love it. You know, of course. You know, so I go into her room, she goes into her laptop, and she opens two document tabs. Okay, whatever, you know, in, in front of her, she has one piece of paper, which is the outline. I'm like, all right. 
And in that outline, obviously, it goes, you know, tell us the country. How did the, you know, how is the country formed? And, uh, you know, like, tell us about the monetary system and, this, you know, the, the whatever, right? The food and all this other stuff. She basically goes down the line. She goes into Google. She searches these things. And here's what she does. Okay. She basically searches them, finds the best content, copies it, pastes it on one document to the left with the bibliography information, right? Because remember, we always had to put it like a big bibliography in the end, right? Big bibliography information at the end. And then she basically does that throughout the entire series of questions on one page to the left. On the Word document to the right, she then starts to express the ideas in her own way how she's able to assimilate all this information, right? So she'd be like, hey, the country of X was formed in this country when, you know, this guy came across the plains and blah, 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 right? And then within, I don't know, maybe like a couple of hours, right? She was able to do what our teachers gave us back in the day, like six weeks to do. And next thing you know, like, because there's things like Grammarly or whatever, not only was it grammatically correct, it looked all super sharp. I mean, dude, she's in the fifth grade and she kind of had this understanding of this country because not only did she read it, not only did she research it, not only did she write it, not only did she express it in her own terms, she was able to take this information and make with it what worked best for her very quickly, okay, without a lot of hard work, without all the, without all, without all the uh, crazy stuff that we had to go through back in the days, okay? Now, how and where and why does this apply to us as type 2 diabetics? Well, let me tell you. When I first went down this whole thing, and if you're anything like me, we go on and there's a, there's a trigger somewhere in there, whether it's a YouTube search, a uh, uh, a Facebook group, somebody tells us about something, a friend of a friend, we hear something on the radio, um, you know, uh, we find something online, whatever. Okay, we're listening to a podcast or something and somebody says, hey, the XYZ diet or whatever, right? Now, that usually is the trigger, the catalyst, if you will, that kind of like starts us down the road of, hey, let me go ahead and look into it a little bit more. What are these people saying about it? And inside of there, we usually find something that kind of resonates with us, right? AKA like a cognitive bias, if you will, if you want to go into like nerd terms or whatever. And then we go down this road of, hey, this looks kind of cool and this looks kind of fun and let's give it a shot and da 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 da, right? And the next thing you know, it becomes part of what we do. And it becomes almost, at least at the time, maybe we feel like it's part of our identity almost, right? And it's like, all right, you know, and um, long story short, that really kind of came into that really hit my stride with me when I went into keto. So for me, I started slow carb, um, actually started vegan um, and it you know, didn't work out. Nothing wrong with vegan folks. High five and love to y'all. Um, and then I went I went from there to slow carb. I really made my rounds the biggest transformational part, which is really weird. I don't know why this, how this happened or whatever was with paleo. And I think because of a lot of it was just simplicity. You know, I lost my most weight with paleo. Um, I was doing a lot of calorie spiking, calorie cycling dropped, um, like, you know, that 75 pounds, actually a little over 75 pounds within 90 days doing no exercise. You know what I mean? Like with what I had shared with you the other way around or on the last 
episode. And all that really was, was, you know, eating clean, um, understanding, you know, just maybe like playing with calories here and there, um, you know, playing with the windows. So I wasn't doing any weird macronutrients. I was just like, Hey, let's just eat super simple and clean, right? Like who doesn't know how to do that? And then more than anything, focus on the game. If we understand that our bodies can change and adapt over time in the same way that, you know, these goofy beach body, uh, you know, workout DVDs or whatever would have you switch up your exercise to keep your body, you know, in that fat burning zone, doing the same thing with food, right? Because that's essentially what we see, you know, on any diet, right? Like everybody plateaus one, you know, like nobody loses a million pounds every single day for the rest of the life because nobody would walk around at five pounds or whatever. Um, you know, obviously understanding how and why that happens and just keeping that common sense front of mind, right? And now using that, so now that you don't have to do anything complex and just saying, hey, like maybe I'll eat a little more calories this day, a little less this day. Instead of doing a 20 hour fast, maybe I won't fast at all. And then that way our body's just kind of going back and forth. And then before it has a chance to even plateau, we keep switching it up. And it's like not even a hard, lot of hard work because we're not doing anything complex, right? Let me come full circle with you now because this really kind of dawned on me. And I want to share this, this with you now in the hopes that you don't have to go through the same thing, at least the painful part, as much as being able to take away where I got the biggest wins. What I want to do with you right now is give you the biggest wins and then also in the same breath, expose my biggest headaches and my biggest pitfalls so you don't have to go through them. Or even if you just laugh at my mistakes, high five, right? Um, so anyways, here goes, okay? So when I got into... Um, when I was doing paleo, I didn't know at the time, I did not, this is before I knew the four pillars. So at the time, I didn't know what foods were hurting me. I didn't know what foods were helping me. I was eating plantains and sweet potatoes. And even then, like my A1C was like a 6.3. Okay. And 6.3, 6.4, something like that. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, you know, that's when I first considered keto. Okay. And I was still... Now this don't get, don't get me wrong. Like everybody, you know, totally jumped. Like this is the years before everybody just jumped on the bandwagon okay this was like years before that and so i was still kind of brainwashed from the 80s i'm like dude this is a bunch of fat is this gonna kill me right obviously it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out there's a night and day difference between a handful of walnuts and crisco right or like you know uh um a whole bunch of uh you know like condola oil and like an avocado or salmon right if you go to the health food store salmon oil pills or supplements is aside from like, you know, the protein is usually one of the biggest walls of supplements. Why? Because it's good for the heart, good for the brain, good for the eyes, good for the skin, good for all kinds of stuff. Right. And why? Well, because it's the omega three and omega nine, guess what? Fats, right? The fatty acids. So anyways, um, and dude, by the way, real quick, huge shouts out to, you know, Martin Luther King. It was Martin Luther King day uh, a little while ago. Remember, we got to focus on the character of the person. Same thing. Nobody can play us for an idiot when we're focused on the character of what we're putting in our body, right? So when I got into keto, just like anyone else, I started dirty keto, right? So it wasn't some overnight success. Um, I mean, obviously, A1C wise, it kind of was, um, if I can be totally honest, because all I really did was say, hey, like, how can I ketofy all these different foods or low carbify all these different foods that I'm eating every single day? And I was just eating a bunch of fast food. And then next thing I'll get like, you know, my A1C in the fives eating a bunch of fast food. If you want to know how to do that, I give that away for free on lifeovertype2.com. Um, it's on the first page. Anyways, 
So because I was scared of this whole fat thing and I went the janky route, okay, which I, you know, I, I'm sure we've all done it one time or another, okay? Um, I was a beginner, right? Nothing wrong with that, okay? Um, because I went the janky route and I hit a 5.9 A1C, I was like, what? You know what I mean? Like, this is the craziest thing ever. And I went down the rabbit hole. Okay, like I went deep, like crazy deep. Okay, like I don't talk about it that much. But basically because I was the fat kid, like since the, like the age of nine, I was always the pawn of the fat jokes, right? I was always the fat one out, okay? Um, one of the most embarrassing things for me that I don't really ever talk about is I was with my son at the county fair, Orange County Fair, and they had this ride. If you've ever seen, it has like um, has like these arms. Um, you sit inside of a chair, it straps you in, and inside of that chair is like a bar of like maybe like 10 of 10 chairs back to back. Okay, like five and five back to back. And then what it does is it, it's, they strap you in. They put a harness over your shoulders, a solid bar harness, strap you by the crotch. And then what it does is it's, it, it literally flips. And then that bar is like, is like, there's like three arms. There's like three bars coming out of one arm and it spins around. So not only are you spinning, but then this whole thing spins around and you're just, you're all over the place. Well, anyway, I took my son wanted to go on there because he's a total, you know, um, adrenaline seeker and he, he loves scary rides. And, uh, I had to do the walk of shame. They put me on and they try to strap me in and I couldn't get strapped in. And I was dude, I was doing everything I could. I just sucked it in. I couldn't care if I was going to pass out because I did not want to embarrass my son in front of this huge line of people at the County fair. So they couldn't get it on and I'm adamant and I'm like, F that like strap me. I don't care if I'm blue in the face. If I pass out, like my son's going on this ride and uh, they're like, no, sir, we can't, you know, I'm sorry. And the guy saw what I was doing. He saw, he saw that I was trying, he was helping me. He was like, he just didn't say anything. So this one dude, younger kid, God bless his heart. He grabs the crotch belt, grabs the bar the one that goes to my chest and he leans into the bastard as hard as he could to try to get it to click and it wouldn't go. And so his supervisor, older lady kind of sees what's going on. You know, it's okay, sir. Sorry. You know, um, you can't ride. And then my son, I'm like, dude, stay on here. You know, take this ride. And he's like, it's okay, dad. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and we got off. And, uh, and when we walked away, I had to do that walk of shame and look, I've always been the fat kid like that. I don't care. I've, I've, I've had people crack on my jokes and to be totally honest, I used to hide for years behind my own sense of humor by self-deprecation. I'd make fun of myself. So it took away, it was kind of like the whole eight mile thing, right? Like if you ever seen that rap battle video with Eminem or that rap battle movie where he talks crap on himself. And then that way, the person that he's battling with can't say anything against them. I used to do that. And um, that's fine with me. But what shattered my heart that day is that that was my son. And to finally be able to come around and win made me go deep. 
because now I almost felt like I had like the sword to slay all these demons that have been beating me up since I was a kid. And so I did everything from, um, you know, listening to podcasts, watching every YouTube video. Um, I would literally anything that I could find with the word keto in it. Okay. And mind you, this is before, like it was all over the place. So, I was do I I ended up finding out that dude there was like bodybuilding people doing this stuff from like the early 2000s and even like the 90s and that's where I really got a lot of information from in the very beginning um because these are like performance athletes too that are like living and dying by this and even like long distance athletes and I was like wow like really like this is crazy and um long story short you can't help but notice whenever people would talk about XYZ diet, they're like, hey, you know, the study of Cambridge or the, you know, the Oxford Journal of Medicine and all this other stuff. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm like, man, where did they get this stuff? Because at the end of the day, I just kind of realized I'm like, hey, thank you for the information. However, they're just reading off someone else's work. You know what I mean? Like, I want to read that. Like, where did you get that? Like, I, I could do that too, right? So I started to look around and that's why I'm such a huge fan of the of PubMed's public access to the uh, the National Institutes of Health, uh, U.S. Um, Library of Medicine. And that's why I give that resource away for free. I, I tell everybody about it because it doesn't matter if it's type 2 diabetes, cancer, uh, you know, anything. You know what I mean? If you want to look up a particular drug, I mean, you're literally going to find, I think it has like one point something million articles, case studies, scientific research for like just in and around the world, okay, like Public Library of Science, Oxford Journal of Medicine, um, you know, the, uh, like, just, anyways, I can't get into it, but, I mean, there's just countless and endless, um, you know, um, resources there, and that's where I buried my face. I would literally go out, and I would study the work, not of, like, you know, the XYZ internet guy or the guy with a podcast or the guy with a YouTube video. No, like who are the people that they were getting their answers to? Who's the guy that's like living on the front line? Who's the guy that's so, or the women, right? Who are the people, the, the doctors, the scientific researchers, the, the whoever that are so invested, they are so 110% that we will never find them on the internet. They don't have a podcast. They don't have a YouTube video. They don't, they're not doing any of that stuff because they're 100% focused on that one thing. And the beautiful thing about that is that the more that I started to realize and like read these case studies, I now had, because they're literally give, putting out the formulas, right? So for example, if you read some on some of these ones on like keto or whatever, right? You know, obviously generic macros, generic results. You know what I mean? They can go pretty far. At the same time, if we can see what the top people in the world are doing and we can actually just follow their macro results, right? Or their macro profiles or see what foods that they're having. The best part of it, forget the macros part. Let me tell you something that was even better. It's far more priceless than probably what anyone will ever tell you because they're so focused on their diet. Which is if you ever read some of these case studies in the conclusion section or even in the body of the work, they're going to show, share with you a lot of times, like what were the hiccups along the way? Like what were the adjustments they had to make? What were the bonus findings that they were able to uncover and reveal? And how do they get them? Like 
that was gold. If, if whenever I would hear these different YouTube videos or, or podcasts or whatever, give reference to these things. And you're like, all right, cool. That, that would be like five or 10 cents. But that five or 10 cents, like that nickel or dime didn't come close to the $150,000 worth of information buried in that dang thing. You know what I mean? And some of these things, even in the conclusion section alone, it's going to be like another five, 10, 20 pages of content of straight gold. Okay. And I say with you, that's the good part. Here's the goofy part. I kind of went overboard and I started to like, because I was always the fat kid, because I, I felt empowered in a particular way. It led me down this hole to where I was that guy that was keto everything. You know what I mean? Hey, you're having problems with your food? Keto. You know what I mean? Hey, you got problems with your skin? Keto. Oh, you're type 2 diabetic? Keto. Want to lose weight? Keto. You want to fix your credit score? Keto. You want to become the world-class one-legged kickboxer? Do keto. You know what I mean? Like, keto, keto, keto. You know, like, keto everything. You know what I mean? Like, might as well keto tattoo that thing on my forehead. You know what I mean? And I did everything from, like, you know, from, like, oh, you can eat keto. I did the whole, you know, like, whole foods keto. Like, before... There was really no thing is like, you know, clean or whole foods keto that we would like have a name on it today. Back then I was just like, Hey, let me just do keto macros or keto style with paleo ingredients is the way that I looked at it back then. Right. Just super whole, clean, non GMO organic. You know what I mean? Just as clean as we can get. And I went down that road for a while, for a while. And it was awesome. I made a lot of friends. Okay. And I still have a lot of those friends to this day and I will absolutely carry their flag. Okay. In the same breath, it exposed to me something that I think we all know, but nobody ever gives us the release for. And I'll tell you right now, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And here's what I mean by that. Everybody's, if you can't help but notice, if you go to like a buffet, for example, you go to a buffet and you go with your friends and you're like, all right, have at it guys. Right. And let's say you go to a buffet where people get, I don't know, two, three servings, right? If people party like me, they'll go for a number. Okay. They're going to go for a pretty solid number. Okay. You can't help but notice what people come back with on their plates and what they're ultimately happy with. Some of it's going to be similar, but at the end of the day, everyone's combination is going to be just a little bit unique and different to them. And we see this in everything from the food that we eat to the body types that we have, right? Some people are taller. Some people are shorter. Um, when I was a kid, perfect example. When I was a kid, I got this friend named Tim. Okay. He's Vietnamese. Okay. Um, in a few years here, I've known the guy for 30 years. All right. And we'd eat everything. Okay. Chinese food, Mexican food. Dude, as kids, we would go to the street races and on the way home at like two in the morning, he knew when Krispy Kremes would make their freshest donuts of the day. And he would be the first dude in there on the way home from the street races at two in the morning. Okay. And he'd get a whole dozen by himself. And this guy weighs like a buck 20 with a soaking wet snowsuit on. 
Okay, like this dude, regardless of what he eats, doesn't put any weight on. My wife's ex-boyfriend, which coincidentally we're friends. Okay, gentleman named Ronaldo. Okay, dude, African American gent, right? Guy is shred city. Okay, six pack. Okay, he's got a chest on him that, like, you know, you swear he's benching 225, 45 reps every single day. You ask him, bro, when was the last time you went to the gym? Or you probably spend like every single day at the gym. And he's like, dude, no, I haven't been in the gym in years. Like, another friend of mine, actually, a couple of them um, are Samo- some Samoan friends. Now, obviously, some Samoan folks pack on weight a little bit different, right? Some of them are a little bit bigger. These guys, they got Jack City. And they would eat whatever. And you're looking at them like, what the heck? I ate whatever and it made me obese and type 2 diabetic. Okay? And that's why I say it's not your fault. So many people, so many of us are just, you know, our bodies are different. And no diet ever calls that out or never says, hey, look, like here's an easy way to like address that. Right? Instead of kind of like they try to put us in a box and we're like, hey... This is fun. However, everybody's body is a little bit different. And I say that now because I've been kicked out of a whole bunch of groups for talking about this, for talking about this openly, right? And here, I'll give you a perfect example, okay? So, and actually, actually, I'll give you a real example to bring this full circle right now. So... There was a time when my body started to plateau with keto. In fact, if I could be really honest, the weight loss portion actually stalled for almost two years that I was, I did keto for like, you know, two and a half, close to three years. The weight loss stalled. I do know that for sure I did put some muscle on in that time. However, the weight loss stalled like crazy. And as goofy as it sounds, it actually changed when I upped my protein and upped a little bit more carbs. Not crazy carbs, but just a little bit. Anyway, um, and it literally almost happened overnight. Um, but anyways, we'll get into that in another one. But I was so enthralled with the diet that I was doing, I started to push the limits. Okay. So one of the best things that we get when we're fat adapted is that maybe we're not so hungry anymore. Right. So what did I do? I extended my fasts. Okay. I would start doing, you know, 22 hour, 24 hour fast. Now, normally people are like, D, it's not even a big deal. People do like, you know, three, five, seven, 10 day fast on water alone. I totally agree. The difference here is that I was doing two a days. Okay. I was also doing two a days. Okay. Um, and so meaning if you don't know what a two a day is, basically, you no, know, I'm working out twice a day and I would do. If you've ever seen any of my YouTube videos and how I'm able to burn like, you know, like a thousand calories in like, you know, less than 30 minutes or whatever. Actually, I think one of them, I timed it when I, when I put down the actual time of work done with an interval workout versus both the short and long tail effect on my, um, uh, of my caloric load. Cause I actually had, I did it with a heart rate monitor. I think I burned something like 1100 calories with only like a, like 13 minutes worth of work. Um, you can watch that on the YouTube channel, but anyway, I would do crazy glycolytic work. Okay. To the point where I could easily burn. And one of the cool things we all know when you're fat adapted is that you can burn a lot of calories. Um, when you're fat adapted and you can do it endurance style. 
Okay. And what I did is I basically acclimated my body to go uh, a blend with interval training, a blend of endurance. So I can go round after round after round after round. But I did that with high intensity intervals. Long story short, I can easily burn like, you know, 2000 calories in a workout without, without a clip. Okay. I didn't always do that. So I'm not saying that I burned 4,000 calories. I probably burned eh, average day, maybe somewhere between like 25 and maybe like 3,500 calories. Okay. However, my fat loss stalled. So I started cutting calories and I got to the point where I was only eating like 1800 calories and I was burning a bunch and my weight wasn't like flinching and my metabolism started to slow like crazy. However, because I started high calorie, my body didn't change. I started to cut calories. My body didn't change. I went from eating multiple meals a day. My body didn't change. My, I started, you know, pushing the envelope of when I would eat, my body wouldn't change. And it got to the point where one day I was uh, working on a Saturday and all of a sudden, like my side started to hurt and I'm like, man, what the heck, you know? And I went to go pee and it started to burn. I was like, Whoa, dude, like what's going on here? Right now. I like to stay kind of hydrated. So I drink and at the same time, I'm a big coffee lover. So I'm drinking coffee, but I didn't really drink that, that much liquid. And all of a sudden I got to pee a lot. And the more that I go pee, the more my side starts to hurt and the more that it hurt, it burns when I go pee. It literally felt like my stuff was on fire. And I'm like, dude, what in the fudge is going on? So at the time I didn't have any blood ketone strips, but I did have the pee strips. So if you've ever had a pee strip, obviously they're not hundred percent correct or whatever. However, if you ever hit one, you'll notice that, you know, you, you pee on one and then like, it starts as a certain color and then maybe within like 10, 15, 20 seconds or whatever, it kind of gets a little darker, right? And that's kind of like your read number or something like that. I'm usually within like the first five seconds. Well, when I peed on this thing, the second my pee hit the stick, it turned black. And I was like, dang, like what the heck, right? And I'm like, what? Like, this is crazy. But at the same time, I'm kind of like work driven, right? Like if my mind's on something, I'm just going to keep doing it. So I'm like, what the heck? So I just threw the stick down. And I'm like, Oh, whatever. You know, just, I'm, I just finished, you know, I got to work. I'm like, I only have about an hour or more left or maybe like an hour and a half, maybe two hours left. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to pound this out. And then, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and eat. I didn't even make it that long within 15 minutes. My private really started to burn. I wasn't paying um, as much. And then my side really started to hurt. It felt like someone took a knife, stuck it in my side and it was like turning the blade. It hurt. Like it hurt, hurt, hurt. And now I was scared. I was really scared and I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do. And because my ketones were like black and I didn't eat anything or whatever, the first thing I did is like, I need to kick myself out of ketosis. I just need to, I just need a calorie up. I need to like drink a lot of water. I need to get my body. I need to take my body to the complete opposite of where I'm at right now. And that's exactly what I did. So I went out and I ate Chinese food. Probably not the smartest thing or whatever. My blood sugar, I'm sure went through the roof. 
just being honest, because I'm like, dude, I was at like zero carbs, zero calorie, you know, like I'm I'm peeing black ketones or whatever compared to the strip. I'm like, I need to get out of this. I need to change this. So anyways, I did that. Got out of ketosis. Later that night, I felt fine. No big deal. Whatever it was, I don't know what it was. I don't know how to diagnose that. I don't know. It was a one-time thing. Never happened again since. So I am in these groups or whatever. And I started to share and ask for help. I'm like, hey, does anyone, you know, is anyone doing, um, you know, keto and then, you know, like intermittent fasting? And, you know, this is like before it all took off. So people were, or this is as it's starting to take off, I think. And people are like, yeah, keto fast, keto fast. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Me too. You know what I mean? And you're like, all right, hey, um, are any of you guys, you know, working out? Yeah, keto fast workout, keto fast workout, keto fast workout, insulin sensitivity. You know, they're just rambling on what we've all heard. Okay. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. For sure. For sure. Is anyone doing two days? And like not many really were, um, no big deal. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, Hey, is anyone finding these, is anyone having this problem? And then it was like crickets. And all of a sudden people were like, well, no dude, because you know, when you're intermittent fasting, keto and you do workout, you know, your credit score goes up, you know, you can like, you know, you can walk on water, you can speak the gospel in tongues across the world. And like, you know, I'm like, well, you know what I mean? Like, it's, just, it's crazy. Right. And I'm like, look, man, I'm wearing the same jersey as you. I, I got you. I got you. However, you know, uh, this is the kind of like the, in, the issue I'm having. We're on the same team here, dude. You don't, you don't got to like tell me that. I'm just, I'm at, I'm looking for help. And um, here's what's weird. People start to say, okay, well, why do you ask? Why do you ask this? And so I shared it. And next thing you know, people are like, no, you're cheating. I'm like, dude, cheating. Like, I'm peeing fire, you prick. Like, what are you talking about? Right? And the next thing you know, I'm getting kicked out of groups because they're like, we don't condone having, you know, carbohydrates or whatever. And we're like, dude, I'm not, I'm like, what, what are you doing? Like, no, dude. Like, did you, have you experienced this? Like, I don't know. Like, I was asking for help first. And then now, like, you're telling me that I can't be honest? Like, I mean, what's important here? Like, someone's health or like, your feelings on a diet or something. You know what I mean? I'm saying this to these people, these groups. And next thing you know, I'm getting kicked out. And this would happen over and over and over and over and over to the point where I went out and I reached out to one of my biggest heroes at the time, which is a guy by the name of Jimmy Moore. Okay. Jimmy Moore with Keto Talk. Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the doc. Right. One of my favorite podcasts for years. Right. Phenomenal work. I love the work of that guy. I love the work of that guy. Um, at the same time, I actually wrote him a letter. You know, man, I should actually one of these days I'll read it. Um, I'll share it to you. I actually wrote him a letter because I was getting blackballed by everybody that I was asking help from. I'm like, look, man, hey, I did this keto thing. And then I did a two a day and then I started, you know, pushing my window, um, you know, with my, with my thing, I started pushing my windows and then, you know, with my intermittent fasting and then, um, to accelerate fat burn, I'd have like, you know, black coffee and I was doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do. I'm like, dude, but at the same time, it kind of blew up in my face to the point where my kidneys, my own, my side was hurting. I was peeing fire and I basically had to kick myself out of ketosis. Well, how'd you do that? You know what I mean? Well, because I was so scared and because it hurt so bad, I, I just went out and ate, you know, high glycemic carbs and I had like Chinese food basically. 
And uh, nobody wanted to hear me. And I'm like, look, man, I'm not here to try to like debate anybody. I'm asking for help, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying what's happening. Like, can we just be honest about what's happening? Or, or are we all that jaded? And that's why I say it's not your fault. Long story short, I wrote Jimmy a letter and I didn't know any other way, an email rather. And I didn't know any other way to express it because I was getting kicked out. I'm like, look, man, you need to tell people about this thing and here's what happened and here's what I did and all this other stuff. And I probably came at him weird. I know that I did for sure because by that point, because of the way that I was getting blackballed for asking for help when I wasn't even trying to debate anybody, which is probably the reason why I kind of like have the approach that I do now, which is just to try to be as honest and as blunt as possible. That way I try to negate the whole debating thing to begin with as much as sometimes it happens anyway. But anyway, bless his heart because he didn't write me anything back. If I were him at that time, I probably would have wrote me back. I would have been like, look, dude, uh, you know, take it easy, you know. But in the same breath, here's why I say that. Am I against keto? No, I'm not against keto. In fact, I would say that inside of keto are tenants that can serve everybody for the rest of their life in the same way that the vegan diet, if we strip away what some people can hold in their heads and simply put all of the pieces out on the table, I think they all have something that we can all learn from and appreciate. And I think more than anything that those pieces are the are keys to freedom. Because if and when we understand that what works for everybody is not only different, same way that, you know, go to the family buffet or whatever, and everybody eats something different. We go to a restaurant, everybody's plate's not going to be the exact same, you know, unless you go to like a, you know, like a Costco and you only got like four things to pick on the menu or whatever. Um, And if and when we understand that when we get older, which we all do, And our bodies can change. That the smartest thing that we can do is obviously give our bodies what it needs as it needs it. How and where and wherever those changes may occur. Because what's more important than any diet is you, is your health, are the people that you love are the simplicities and the keys that will always give you freedom, the freedom to be yourself. And I say that because the come full circle was kind of cool because I was on the internet this morning and uh, Jimmy Moore, a gentleman, which I I haven't listened to in a while, uh, but I still, I still like his work. I love the fact that he's just honest and he comes from the heart. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I love it actually. Um, he's coming out and he's rebranding himself. 
and he's changing the name of his Keto Talk podcast. He's now calling it Real Talk. And the reason why is because he actually wants to get into the nuances of real food. He's actually going to get in there and actually talk about how people are taking this whole macros thing and maybe skewing it the wrong way. I don't want to, I don't want to talk out of place, right? Out of respect to, uh, to his work. I love his work. I do nothing but support it. Um, even though I did write him that letter out of, you know, desperation cause I really needed help. And I just, I was getting, I was just getting jacked right from every which direction, you know? And, um, and he's, he's going out and re, he's, he's changing the name from keto talk to real talk. And he's just talking about, um, getting into where people are getting lost in macros and whatever. And uh, if you want to see it, I don't want to, I don't want to talk out of place. If you want to see it, he actually released a, uh, an Instagram post, um, today's, uh, February 6th. So, um, he's part, he's actually on a sabbatical still where he actually is walking away from everything, but on his Instagram, they actually talk about how he's, you know, going to get in there and really kind of, um, um, take a new approach on just fighting disease and fighting, uh, um, for the health of others which is what I'm all about because I'm basically been preaching the same thing for a while now after kind of having to go through it myself. And here's why I kind of say that undeniably, if we go back, there's a change that was happening. That's happening right now. The face of type two diabetes will change forever starting today. And this is actually something that I talked about last year. If you actually listen to those and I'm glad that the rest of the world is finally coming around. The good news is, is that if you've been listening, you were kind of, you were in on the inside scoop since day one, (laughs) since day one. And it's not because I'm some cool person. It's really because you can't deny. Nobody can deny the truth. And here's what I mean by that. When we look at any sort of dietary protocol, vegan, paleo, whatever it is, whatever it is, for example, right? Perfect example. Um, when we, when it comes to, uh, the vegan stuff, okay, let's say raw vegan. All right, let's go there. Okay. Real quick. Why raw? Okay. Well, Davis, if you take you know, really anything, whether it's uh, meat or even plants above a particular temperature, a lot of times it's going to kill a lot of the nutrient content that you have in there, right? Um, it can kill off a lot of the natural enzymes. Um, it can reduce some of the, um, you know, some of the vitamin and nutrient content because you're, you're basically killing it off, um, or killing off a portion of it. Right. Um, as you cook it. Okay. Well, we kind of see that on both extremes, right? If you look at the zero carb side, they're eating beef tartare with a raw egg on it. Right. Why? Well, because all those nutrients, whether they're plant or animal based are unadulterated. They've never been messed with, not even with temperature or anything, right? They're served in their 
most natural form. Okay. Don't have to be a vegan, obviously, to, to take advantage of that principle, right? Super, super simple, right? Let's get into paleo, right? Paleo. All right. Awesome. Get away from foods that are GMO'd and they're processed. Okay. So much so that they go so far into that, that they, you know, they don't have any dairy either, or, you know, even like beans and stuff like that. Um, and even, even like, uh, foods that have been GMO'd over time, right? Foods that have been GMO'd over time, which I totally get it, right? Totally, totally get it. If you watched, uh, or if you look at the work of Abel James, man, he's transformed a lot of people with just that simple, those simple two tenets, right? At the same time, when I was doing paleo and you get in there and you get in the weeds, dude, there's like people arguing about like purple yams in Okinawa in like the 1800s versus like what people were eating in the South American countries in the 1400s versus what people were eating in the paleolithic era as a filter of what we should eat today. Well, I mean, like, I mean, come on, man, like common sense here, right? Just get away from the things that have been processed, GMO'd. And if stuff has a bunch of chemicals in it, probably don't want to eat a bunch of chemicals. You know what I mean? Like if you do that, you probably got like 90, 95% of the win in your back pocket. And that applies whether you want to go vegan, zero carb, paleo, Prickins, Mediterranean, you know, uh, Atkins, Dr. Diadamo's blood type diet, um, you know, Dr. Mark Hyman's blood sugar solution. Doesn't matter that those tenants apply everywhere. Okay. When we look at the, um, you know, the benefits of low carbohydrate eating. Okay, great. We look at a list of foods, highly inflammatory. Okay. Highly inflammatory foods, they fight inflammation. Okay. Um, at the same time, a lot of them are very nutrient dense. Okay. They're also including things like salmon. Okay. Things like fish, things like, you know, turkey, um, you know, beef, whatever it is, right? Like lean beef. Some people like fatty beef, whatever, right? There's actually really good science now on both sides. Okay. And at the end of the day, we all, since we all know what everyone's different, the last thing that we ever want to do, and I'll tell you right now how and why I hope this empowers you in that it's not, it's not about putting you in a box. I was fortunate enough to come to the realization where when I realized like, Hey man, like I think when it comes to anybody, anybody, if you're a human being that if you try to put them in a box as much as they might like it at first, but if you expect to somebody the same way, the same thing, every single meal, every single day for the rest of their life, those are usually failing odds. And that's nothing against any diet because you can apply that statistic and that level of common sense and undeniable truth to any diet. And you'll see it happening over and over and over again. And the type two diabetic, I think we deserve every single shot at living the life that we've always deserved. And so when we look at any particular diet and we say, Hey, look, if I know for sure, that my health is going to change over time. Like as I age, right? The requirements for me to hit my, my peak 
uh, you know, my, my, my ideal health, right, can change, right? So perfect example, my, my parents are actually a perfect example of this. Um, my dad, as we've gotten, as they've, my parents have gotten older, both my parents are in the best shape of their lives that they've ever been in for a really long time. And coincidentally, they're obviously the oldest they've ever been too. My father finds himself thriving, eating way more protein. Okay. My mom is on the opposite side. She finds herself thriving doing with way more vegetables. They've both gotten away from high glycemic carbs. None of them are really all that perfect, right? So like they get away from rice, which is weird because we're Filipino. However, my dad lifts weights and my mom goes for walks and they're both stoked. Okay. Now, what am I supposed to do? Slap my mom and give a high five to my dad or slap my dad and give a high five to my mom? Like, no, that's stupid. That's pointless. Right. And I say that with you because if and when we understand the four pillars, two things, right? When I say the four pillars, right, this is obviously low. So for type two diabetic and we're trying to control our blood sugar, last thing we want to do is eat foods that will spike our blood sugar, right? Like crazy, right? Foods are high glycemic, like Chinese food, right? Like, you know, orange chicken and fried rice or something like that, right? So we don't want to eat foods that are high glycemic. So we want to go low glycemic foods, right? At the same time, when we look at low glycemic foods, they're going to contain everything from like apples and like, you know, um, oatmeal, right? If you're anything like me, if you eat an apple or an oatmeal and you test your blood sugar, it takes off like a rocket ship, okay? Like that's not fun. You know what I mean? That's not fun whatsoever, Okay. Um, that's not fun at all, you know, and if you do make it fun, at least make it worth it. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, we don't want to eat foods like that. So, um, you know, that pillar in itself is not complete. So with that, we go low carbohydrate. Okay. With those two pillars alone, any diet basically claiming to control your blood sugar, um, because we now live in a day and an age where somebody says it needs to be this way. We'd be like, oh yeah, for real. All right, cool. Let's see, dude. Let's check it out. And we literally tip ourselves. Okay. We can yank the covers off of whatever crap and fear and whatever that people used to put on top of us in order to kind of skew us, manipulate us to do their diet. We can now just call it for what it is and be like, oh, okay, great. You guys are saying you're, you know, you're high carb, but then you're hitting A1C. Okay, cool. What's an A1C? It's a blood sugar average. Oh, okay, cool. So let me guess you guys are doing, you know, calorie restriction, right? And they're like, yeah. Okay, well, why? Well, because you're going to go through a high, high. And if I could force you to go through a low, well, guess what that does to your average, right? Duh, right? Ding, 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 right? So like we can now with, and that we could figure that out with just simply testing ourselves, which takes like 30 seconds per right? Like no big deal. And if you do the, the, uh, the, here's what I ate, here's what happened. Here's what I'm gonna do next. Right. That little three point turn. That's three times 30 seconds, like a minute and a half. Right. Like, right. It's when I talk about like my daughter moving at the speed, like that we never had, like we now have that ability to yank the covers off on everything. Right. Um, and I hope more than anything that it empowers you. So here we go. So those two, those first two pillars after that, obviously we want whole foods. Okay. Whole natural foods, non GMO. Obviously you don't have to be perfect, dude. I still have foods that are kind of halfway sideways. Okay. Like I'm not Mr. Diet guy. Um, you know, and that's why I do the 21 day challenge. I want to show with you just how easy it really is. You don't have to go all neo Nazi, you know, in fact, don't get me wrong. I would say for some people, depending on where they're at in their journey, sure. It might be empowering for a while, but just like in the same way, we go through these growing phases in like high school, right? Where we, uh, perfect example, like we all had that friend that like, or maybe even ourselves that 
we bumped the stereo so loud that it would like damage our eardrums almost, but we did it because it was cool or whatever. And uh, was regardless of how much we knew that it was too much, we did it anyway, right? Naturally, we all kind of mature from that. And, you know, obviously our, our journey with food can obviously entail that as well. However, at the end of the day, when we can still just enjoy ourselves and be ourselves, we understand that once we mature, we don't have to go through that. And that gives us freedom. It makes things way more easier. It takes that stress off of our shoulders. And that's what I want to give with you and know that you don't have to be perfect to get phenomenal results. Okay. It just has to be honest. That's all it is. Um, and then obviously number four is, you know, if we can sneak them in foods that serve multiple purposes, right? Nutrient rich and serves multiple purposes, nutrient rich a, because, um, as type two diabetics, we can have, uh, an issue, um, in our mitochondria, fancy words for saying little, uh, the little, uh, little lawnmower engine inside of the cells, right? So, um, with type two diabetes, they can, the efficiency, if you will, can go down by 50%. So that's just basically fancy words for saying, like, imagine getting into a school bus when you're a kid and only half the engine working. Okay. Um, so the way that we fix that is obviously giving packing as much, uh, you know, nutrients, vitamins, um, as we can in those, in the meals that we eat. Right. So if you've ever had like, you know, Chinese food, you eat it, your blood sugar is all over the place. You feel tired and you're like, man, how am I tired? And then hungry again, like what the heck? You're like, dude, I just ate like a trillion calories. A huge part of that reason of that is because we're, um, we fired all of the hormonal mechanisms in the body. However, because nutrient content, whenever we eat things that are processed or very low in nutrients, because our mitochondria is only seeing, can only you know, some of it, um, not everybody's at 50%, but even if you're like 80%, you're just not getting as much as you should. Our body's like, dude, like, where's the stuff? You know what I mean? Like, and it sends, um, hor- uh, sends, uh, hormonal signals through, I think it's, uh, feel free to look this up. It's ghrelin. I think it is the horm- uh, the hunger hormone. But anyway, sends, you know, sends, uh, you know, sends those, uh, sends those signals. So an easy way to fix that, obviously eat new foods that are nutrient rich. Okay. And then also foods that eat like multiple purposes, right? So whenever we look at foods, feel free to go online, right. And feel free to look at foods that do everything from like, you know, lower blood sugar, um, you know, lower bad cholesterol, fight inflammation, fight, you know, cancer or whatever. If all we ever did was just print all those lists out, you can't help but notice, but a whole bunch of them match. Okay. Um, in fact, if we ever go to a grocery store and we look at the parts that we're only supposed to be really eating at anyway, right? So if you look at a grocery store, big box or whatever, and then we eliminate everything from, you know, like the dog food aisle, the toy aisle, the seasonal aisle, right? The, uh, the makeup, the magazines, all that other stuff. Normally it's the stuff on the perimeter, right? We've got, you know, like the deli for all the, you know, all the, uh, all the meats and stuff like that. We've got like, you know, the produce section for the fruits and vegetables, right? And then we've got like everything from, you know, the dairy section. Sure. We might need some like salt, pepper and apple cider vinegar, or maybe like some extra version of olive oil or something like that, you know, from some of the middle aisles. But other than that, all the other crap in boxes, it's all just processed stuff. And so when we get rid of all that, right. And we just look at what's, what's on the peripherals anyway, it's pretty simple. Okay. Super, super simple. So, um, I say that with you because man, if you've actually listened to this, this long to see Jimmy, not only come out with that, but to now start to see these other doctors who are not the scientists, they're not the scientists. And I say that because there's a huge, big dividing line there from finding something that is statistically true, which is powerful. Don't get me wrong. 
and everyday practical application. Okay, so perfect example. If we go into like a, a case study and it's like, hey, here's how to, you know, like grow like, you know, basketball size, you know, tomatoes that glow in the dark and you're going to win the county fair every single time. Like, wow, really? This is awesome. And some crazy, really cool scientific research, right? Awesome. Awesome. Super enlightening. A lot to learn. However, name me one person who lives their life compared to or according to a, a scientific research or a case study. Like probably nobody. You know what I mean? And sure, they might do it for a little bit, but like the minute they're like, all right, I'm going to do it this way forever. You're like, all right, dude, sure. Timer. Ding. And then like the longer that that timer goes, the odds are they're going to fall. And it's not because they're, they're a bad person. Okay. Cause I say that cause that was me. It's because we're all human, dude. Like our body's going to change over time. So when we start, stop playing that game with ourselves and instead give ourselves more resources and take that pressure off of ourselves, man. I'm telling you, man, it's so much easier. It's so much easier. And um, I say that in lieu of, let me give a couple of people some, some shout outs. Um, first off, a huge shout out to a doctor by the name of Ted Naiman. Okay, Naiman, 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 Naiman. Um, awesome guy. Okay. Um, he was a guy that uh, when I first started ke- doing keto, super dirty keto, and he kind of like gave me a, a like or something like that on uh, on, I think, Twitter or something like that. Just even just in passing. However, what was cool about it was, was that he was just this positive influence, you know, that just was like as small as it was. I was unsure of myself that was kind of like, hey, maybe I should give this a try. And even though I don't do keto now, it really helped me on my journey. And what's cool about that is that when I say the difference between scientific and statistical research and everyday practical application, he has this podcast with another doctor by the name of um, Paul Saladino. Wonderful guy, super positive, very in-depth on the silence and the knowledge who does carnivore, which is basically no, you know, no plants whatsoever. Um, and he does it with a lot of organ meat. He gets a lot of his vitamins and nutrients through like organ meat. And he also eats a lot of fats. Okay. And so they're having this talk and he's just talking They're they're, they're these two doctors talking. And then, um, um, Paul asked Ted, he's like, Hey, he's like, you know, so like, why, why are you taking this approach or something to that accord, something to that, to that, uh, to that point. And so Ted, who sees like hundreds and th- he's probably had like thousands of patients by this time. And he just goes, well, to be honest, you can only see so many times where people plateau. You can only see so many times where what used to work didn't work. You can only see so many times where, you know, like things change for somebody and they're beating themselves up. You can only see so many times where people go down a road and they go so long, hard and jagged. And I forgot how he said it, but basically it's just, if you're, if you're anything like me and you're different social groups online, or if, even if you look at other type two diabetics talking about their struggles, that it can go to a place where by the time they give up and they stop doing it or what maybe got them to the dance isn't what works for them anymore. Or they they're doing everything they can because they can't drop that last 20 or 40 pounds or whatever. And they have to change it up. Um, but they've never been given the opportunity to, uh, to step outside of that. Or when we know that for a lot of us, it can go so long drawn out and jagged that it ultimately leads us to failing and even turning our backs to the very diet that we've done, right? Which happens to all, like it's probably happened to like everybody. I mean, that's who, who's still doing a diet from the eighties or the nineties or even the early two thousands. Like not many, you know what I mean? 
Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, like there's only so many times you can see that happening before you got to let that person know like, hey, dude, like there's another way. Like you got to switch things up. You know what I mean? Give yourself more freedom. Like you're you're a human being, like your body's going to change. And the last thing you want to do is put handcuffs on it, you know, that don't need to be there. You know, and I forgot how he put it, but he was just like, yeah, you know, after you see so many patients run into this, you got to tell them like there's there's another way. And for him, he found was not obsessing. Not so much on the fat, but giving them more protein and maybe even a little bit more carbohydrate. And I said earlier, when I was going super high fat, the minute I let go of that and just went higher protein, a little bit more carbohydrate, fat came off like that. And I wasn't even trying. Um, in fact, I think when it first happened, I, my daughter and I were like playing around in the house and she's like, Hey dad, you know, step on the scale. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Cause she, you know, she wanted to see what she weighed or, and I was expecting to weigh whatever I was. And I dropped like 11 or 13 pounds and I, I wasn't trying, you know, I was, I was tripped out. But anyways, um, and also there's another doctor that I want to give shout outs to, which is a gentleman by the doctor, uh, Will Cole. Feel free to look at his work. He has a book called keto Terrian. Um, and um, really, it's just, you know, it's it's a it's a plant based spin on the ketogenic diet. Um, however, what I really like about his work is that he's very transparent and having all the information out there. And so when you listen to some of his podcasts and his videos and such, um, he's very open on saying, hey, look, it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum of people's needs, opportunities and the combinations that are ultimately going to work for each person which is why I share that with you now because the faster we can all come to that level of understanding, the freer we become, the easier it becomes, the less pressure we put on ourselves, the less self-sabotage that we set ourselves up for. Um, Yeah. And that's it, man. That's it. I want to go into a little bit more, but I just want to congratulate you because if you've, it's funny to see these doctors and these people and these, these folks taking that approach because I've been saying this for years and I finally just finally stepped out and, you know, started the podcast saying it, um, you know, recently, but, and the reason why I say that, and here's why I'll tell you that right now is the diet industry is, is it a convergence right now? It's, it's in a, it's in a second, it's in a, it's in a place of change. And here's what I mean by that. When I was in high school, there was, we used to always argue about, Hey, a boxer, you know, this is the best kind of way to learn how to fight or whatever. No, it's gotta be Taekwondo. And then no, it's gotta be, you know, karate or Kung Fu or wrestling or whatever. Next thing you know, this thing called the UFC comes out. And back then it was like barbaric. It was just like, you know, it was like just bare knuckle brawls is all it really was, but it was, it solved that question, right? Like, okay, you really think a freaking Taekwondo guy is better than a karate guy or vice versa. Awesome. Put a mouthpiece in their mouth and let's get them in the ring. You know what I mean? And the next thing you know, there's this little skinny guy who just comes out of nowhere and against all these big opponent, crazy guys, he just starts choking everybody. You're like, Whoa, like this is crazy, right? That has now evolved to the point where we now have Olympic level athletes, teachers, doctors, every like so many different people in that realm of martial arts and sport now 
that we've now come to the point where it's kind of stupid to have that argument. It's not a binary argument. If you're in one position and about to engage in combat, if you've got 10 feet in front of you, your tool set is going to be different versus you laying on top of somebody with their arm out, right? Maybe you want to trap the arm and sacrifice it, right? Or what if they're rolling over their back and you can get their neck, okay? You're, you probably don't want to like, you know, roundhouse kick someone in the head when you're laying on them and they're giving you their neck, right? Common sense, right? Not only that, like each athlete is going to have natural strengths and tendencies the same way that you have natural strengths with your eating the same way that your body just might you know respect or respond differently from someone else's and the fact the faster that we get to that level of understanding and common sense the faster we can stop playing that game with ourselves and that my beloved friend is what i want to leave you with today i hope you have an awesome day go out and crush it i'll see you in the next one later